and Neil and myself was just saying there just now, it's quite interesting. All the words that God brought seem to kind of feed into what we were thinking should be, should be focusing on over the next few weeks. Um, just before we go into what we will reflect on today, if we just take some time and recap what we heard over the last two to three weeks. Let me see the hands of anybody who wasn't here over the last two to three weeks. Was not. Okay, allows me to pick at you. <laughs> All right, lovely. Um, All right, so um, last week, John was sharing about celebrating salvation. Um, okay, so John was sharing with us celebrating salvation. And he said several things. It brings forgiveness. He went into sharing that we receive his word. It comes from a position of faith. He provides for us. Our minds are renewed. We get, a cro- we get a crown of beauty. And confessions bring healing. I was particularly touched by two of those. Um, one, our minds are renewed. And we get a crown of beauty. Um, what we look at today is, I'll spend some time looking at choice. And leading us to a place of total surrender. Um, we know in the scripture it says those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So I'm, the starting position I'm assuming, we're all alive in the spirit. Yeah? And I want to focus in a bit on um, the, the re- renewed mind position. So we know sometimes as Sue was just sharing with us and when Lucy shared as well, sometimes we kind of build this hard layer where the freshness of God has an inability to, to penetrate deep down and to cause us to kind of dwell in that place. Um, I want to suggest, um, as we discussed today, that worship is not that part of the meeting that just concluded just now when we were singing songs. Worship is a position of our heart, always being in a position of total surrender. We'll look at some scriptural references in that, on that, but we'll also give some time so that we can discuss it. All right, so what I just don't want to do is just to share from the front and just reflect on scripture, but I want this to become personal, yeah, and probably we'll split off into twos, so no one is excused from having an opportunity to reflect and give a point of reflection and um, a point of how that touches them. Um, so John shared on celebrating salvation, then Phil shared on Phil shared on um, the position for worship. But Mark also shared on that Sunday, and he, talk, he spoke about kids in worship. So, kids in worship, Mark was reflecting on, on, on two things. He was, think, he was reflecting on, oh, got to put the glasses on. Uh, that dreaded age of 40. <laughs> yeah, Mark asked the kids, what are their distractions? And I think that wasn't only just to the kids, it's to us as well. Um, a few weeks ago, we were meeting in, a, in one of the development groups, and quite interesting, one of the parents was saying there that they often find themselves zoning out when we come together to give worship to God in a corporate setting. Um, Mark also went to share about it's a time to worship him, and he, he used an image 
and he said, let us all enter in. And I think often um, we find ourselves, when we seeking to focus on God, sometimes distracted by the circumstances, both that we left outside before we came into the meeting or before we, we, we you know, we, we kind of set that time apart, or we are consumed by the circumstances that lay ahead of us, maybe in the week ahead, in the job situation or after the meeting. And you could often find yourself not being in a place of total surrender and total focus on him because your mind is being distracted by the circumstances of life. So what we want to do is to, as we reflect on what Mark shared, is taking that posture in the spirit that it is totally about God. And we look at some scripture that talks about um, the situations of life, that they should not be separating us from a, a, a dedication and making him the absolute center of what we're going after. We look at some scriptures where um, some of the heroes of faith felt, found themselves at times distracted from that pursuit of total surrender for him. And I, in the time when we're sharing one with the other, I want us to ask ourselves, what is that for me? And I want you to share, with, share that with the person that you're talking to. And hopefully by the end of the meeting, we'll be taking some authority and making some decisions and some choices to say, hey, I will not let that thing separate me from the love of God. I will not let that thing separate me from a total dedication and surrender to him. I was hoping that the pictures will kind of fill in for me being able to just use words. But <laughs> there we go. Um, one of the things Phil also shared with us he gave us some imagery, and he asked us, what do we see? And for those who weren't here last week, it'll be very interesting to see if you could quickly pick out the, the imagery. I don't know if you looked at the, for those, Richard and Lucy, I don't know if you looked at the e-bulletin. The e if you saw the e-bulletin, then you're not allowed to answer. But if you didn't see the e-bulletin and you, you were not here over the last two weeks, it'll be interesting to see what you um, pull out of some of those images, illusions that Phil showed up. And those who were here, please keep quiet and silent. Uh, I know you'll be like, you know, the scripture that talks about the stones and creation cry out because you understand what it is to praise God. But if you be silent and allow those to, um, to see what they get out of those imagery. Um, we're there? Lovely. If you, I'll let you control. Next one. Lovely. What do you see? Those who weren't here and didn't. What are you seeing there? Cow. Anybody else? Sheep. Somebody around here wasn't there as well last week. All right, I think Phil said it was a cow. I took his word for it in listening day. <laughs> in listening day. In listening day. Um, so that's the ears, eyes, nose here. He gave an next image that I found was quite simple. I got it the first time. What's that there? Uh, that's a dog asleep, curled up. 
Um, when I listened to the audio of what Phil shared, it seemed a lot of confusion in the hall and like nobody was getting it. I didn't understand what was going on there, but if we just go to the other one. Ah. Uh, <laughs> looks a bit more confusing when you look at it that way, doesn't it? But, you know, when I was listening to Phil sharing um, over the audio clip, I wasn't able to be here that Sunday. It just, it just jarred me that sometimes when you capture truth, once you get it, you get it. You can never be confused about it again. And, you know, the scripture is what God gave us as a tool and the Holy Spirit to kind of reveal truth to us. And as I said, the scriptures talked about creation, shouts and testifies of the wisdom of God. And um, what I'm saying is that once we get a proper sight of God, this, this is what challenged me when I was listening to the audio clip. Once we have a proper sight of him, we can't repent of that. We can't go back. And to go back, you know, the Bible talked about the dog returning to its vomit. But sometimes we allow the cares of life to distract and to dissipate that clear position of who he is and who he is to us. And I want us to just probably at the end of today take some decisions in terms of once we grab hold of a revelation, how we guard that jealously and lock into that so we could remain in a place of worship. So you don't look for worship meeting to worship meeting or encounter over six months or one year, whatever is the normal cycles that you find yourself coming to a place of real surrender to God. I want to suggest that we can live in that place once and for all. Forever you see that image, you'll be able to clearly explain that's a dog. And I want to suggest if God's truth are real to us, once we grab hold of them, we should be able to always live from that position of authority, assurance, and resonance that this is what God's word said and therefore it remains eternally true. Am I controlling or it's you, I'm Jeremy? It's you. Okay, Phil also used this image, um, and I have Dave Simmons give a very eloquent um, um, expression of what he, what he thought it was, and I think everybody, those who weren't here as well, I'm sure you'll get it. It's all about the Cain and Abel um, offering, and Cain doing his mischief there to Abel, and then further being expelled. I liked when Dave Simmons said there's a knife below the, <laughs> below the shoulder waiting um, under God's arm. But if we, because I want to make this personal, if we just step back a bit before just analyzing Cain and Abel's situation and kind of use Mark, John, and Phil, who shared over the last two weeks, we're using people who are more, who we, we know them, we could feel and touch them, and we want to identify with their processes. And as I said, at the end of the meeting, I want us to put ourselves into these situations and say, what are the choices that I'm making that is bringing me to a place of total surrender? All right? Not Cain and Abel thousands of years ago. What am I doing now? And for, just to help prompt us, let us look at the decisions that were made over the last two to three weeks, um, or that we heard over the last two to three weeks in the reflections of those who shared with us. If you go to the next image. Now, I use this picture just to capture what Phil was sharing. Huh? Phil said he, was, he normally rides to work early in the morning. 
spends about 40, 45 minutes, and he has a chance of sharing with God and reflecting on, 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 on what lays ahead for him in the day. And he said this particular morning he was wrestling with some thoughts of how to approach a situation. And he said as he approached um, the lock on the bow along the canal, riding into Tower Hamlets, he felt himself, when he was seeing the sunrise, he felt himself constrained that God was asking him for something. And he pulled the brakes on the bike and he said, God, I surrender. And I found I was really, really interested. That he was working out the options. He was in a place of focusing on God and asking God questions and thinking about the problems. But until he came to a place to stop and say, God, I surrender over to you, he did not find that sense of release and that peace that came from um, having God's input in directing him the way to go. All right? And he went on to say that right after this, he found himself spontaneously breaking out into praise. He didn't plan for it. Not the problem was solved, but because he met with God, he found himself at a juncture where all he could do was glorify and praise God. If we go to the next one, Jeremy. Thanks. Oh, this is not the church that's a pity to depict what Mark was sharing on. He went to that old Methodist church up in the Midlands, and he was talking about old people. I'm sure they would not take kindly to how Mark described them, but he felt the church was a bit sparse, and, and, and there were a lot of old people, people who he knew from there before. But he felt while he was wrestling with how dry and arid the environment seemed that God said, tapped him on the shoulder and said, hey, I am right here. And I, I, I just felt that really interesting that sometimes in the mundanity of life, sometimes God has to remind us, the Spirit of God, that he's there in the midst of us seeking to still um, make an input. And he, Mark said that God kind of connected what he saw as a dry and arid situation to a long process that brought him to the place where he is now. Several decisions made after that, but come to a place of real clarity that God was always there in the situation. Next one, Jeremy. Celebrating salvation. I saw a lot of images, but I felt this one kind of really captured a pure celebration. And John was talking about celebrating salvation last week. And we spoke about that. I tried to find one that had a lifeline context. If we go to the other one. There is John. <laughs> you all are not allowed to tell John this. And this PowerPoint don't go up. Will go. This, you delete this when John comes back, yeah? But this is John, I think, at his best celebrating. <laughs> um, if you just go to the next image. We asked Neil to help him. He don't seem that convinced, does he? This is not always happening, but I just happened to have some pictures that I thought kind of captured that. So Neil is there trying to help him along. Let's go to the other. Ah, there we go. There we go. We finally got a smile coming out. All right. So if you go to the next. So salvation is irresistible. Neil is feeling all chuffed of himself there. Yeah. So, um, we, we come to a place where we need to, even though the circumstances don't suggest that is a response that we should have from the heart, that we need to celebrate salvation. We need to have a place of total surrender. We need to 
remove the distractions from life, and we need to know that God is always there in the midst, all right? And that helps us to come to that choice of choosing him despite the situation. So going on to what we want to look at today, which is choice and a pathway to total surrender. If we just go to the other. So the question to us is, what do your choices look like? Sometimes it feels like that for me. Like it's a, a myriad of junctures and, and instructions. And sometimes it feels a bit confusing of what it is God is after, what is he forcing us to, to uh, not forcing us, but asking us to choose. Now I think when I listened what Phil was sharing, Phil was saying that sometimes deep down we know what God is after. Yeah, sometimes God is after something. God is after a sacrifice. He's asking us to, to give up, to, to not hold as the thing that separates us from him. Um, but for me, I want to suggest, if, if I may, that is not something God asks us for. He always asks us for everything. And, you know, as I reflected over the last few weeks, I happened to be in conversation with someone, and we were talking about giving we're talking about tithes and offerings and that kind of stuff. And I, I just said, you know, it's interesting. When we look at every single scripture that we normally pull out about tithes and offerings and surrender, it never reflects really a tent. So you look at Cain and Abel. He gave the first. To give the first means you're giving of that thing that could probably give you an increase thereafter. You look at Abraham, he said he tied it out of some of the spoil that he could have willingly received, but he said he gave everything back to the kings when he had. You look at Abraham with Isaac, he, gave, he was willing to sacrifice his only son, not one of the ten, his only son. We look at Jesus, he gave his life. You look at the widower's mite, she said, you know what, we might as well die. Let's just cook this meal and die. But after, she was willing to give it to someone else. And then that gave her an increase. Um, that's the widow with the small meat. And when, the one with the widow was might. She gave, the, Jesus Christ said, she gave of everything. So sometimes when we talk about giving, from a kingdom perspective, it represents giving of a totality, giving of the best of what you have. But sometimes you kind of lock it into, it's giving something. God is just asking you, for something at this juncture, but you keep something back. And I want to suggest that true kingdom giving is always from a perspective of giving the very best and everything that you had. And somehow, in the economy of the kingdom, God has an ability to transform that heart that says, God, there is nothing that I hold back. God has the ability to bring about a, a, what I will call an incorruptible inheritance. You know, something more than just the thing that you will believe in God for. And I want to suggest that is a revelation of him. So you don't receive back a son. You receive back a promise, an ability to, to birth something, to have, a, to have a seed that will be incorruptible over the generations. And we understand that that is not that we were born on, under the bloodline of Isaac. We're talking about that position of faith, that true DNA that we now share that comes right back from the father of faith. But if we go to the next image, sometimes it's easy, you know? It feels like child play, choosing one or the other. 
But often when we put ourselves in those situations, even though one, the choice that God is after or the choice that we know that we should make seems sensible, we are often drawn by our own passions, our own desires. And therefore, um, I want us, as we now start to go into the scripture and start to ask ourselves some questions, I want us to be absolutely honest. What are the things that we are yet to give up to God or to give up in terms of our right or our preference to hold on to so that we can really access him in a pure and unadulterated way? Next one, Jeremy. So, we're talking about choice, but I thought it interesting that we kind of look at this first. Um, so, good and evil are a choice. And without that choice, I'm suggesting that there could be no free will. Okay? So, we have the ability to choose one or the other. But who knows? I, 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 I want to suggest that God could force us to make a choice if he's all-powerful. But he decides, guess what? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to give you a command, just as he did with Adam in the garden, and I'm going to ask you to choose to obey or not. So if we go down to the little bit below, I'm suggesting that God is, God is wagering, if that's probably not the best word, God is putting all his confidence that with an instruction and with him revealing himself through the Holy Spirit, that we will ultimately choose him. And I think that's really interesting that he will gamble, if that's probably not the best word, but he will gamble on me, <laughs> making... <laughs> yeah. Well, that he will gamble that I would ultimately obey him. And I could just imagine the angels seeing God over those seven days, whatever that is, metaphorically, creating the earth, then putting man inside of it, setting everything up because Satan already sought glory for himself. And then Adam and Eve ate of the apple. They're probably thinking, whoa, it's all finished now. Why did he do that? Why did he not destroy Satan? But God in his infinite wisdom, he waged everything on that situation and ultimately both man and all that exists will ultimately testify to his praise and glory. If we just go on. So these are a few scriptures. And it kind of speaks forward to that day. And Romans 14, 11 to 12 said, For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall praise the Lord. So each of us will give an account of himself to God. And then 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So, somehow, we sometimes get locked into time, but God, in the context of eternity, and his confidence that in the end, all knees will bow and confess that he is Lord. He accepts that some will not, but he's saying... In the process of time, all of us sitting here have an ability to choose that ultimate position of total surrender and giving over to God. And the question to us is, will we do that? 
Will we do that? Um, let me just give a point of personal reflection before we, we break up into twos. Um, I had a we had a situation as a family towards the end of last year. We were kind of thinking about, mm, time for settling and because the girls are now going into secondary school. This is the place we love. Um, we currently rent uh, a premises in, in Romford. Let us think about purchasing somewhere in and around this area and, and, and set it up. And we spoke to our friends and everybody had their eyes out looking for a property for us. We just click on the other slide, sorry, Jeremy. And let's break down. So we'll be looking at choice, us coming to a position of total surrender. That represents in a place of worship. But what is probably not shown clearly on the end there is the incorruptible inheritance. That's just the byproduct. Sometimes because of our surrender and worshiping God, we do receive something back. You know, as Phil said, he felt a sense of peace that came with, with that position of total surrender. If you just go to the next slide, Jeremy. Thank you. Yeah. So, Kenyan and myself had in our frame of reference the house. Um, but Tia um, had come to us and mentioned that she just heard about this house and she thinks it'll be interesting for us to look at. Long before seeing it, we felt, hmm, I look at nudging the spirit. I think we should walk forward looking at this. And we thought, okay, let us surrender to God in a position of faith that this is a part that he wants us to engage in. And at that point in time, it was, as I said, it was without seeing the house, without seeing what exactly it's going to cost, but we just felt a sense of faith that this is what we needed to go for. But I want to mention two things that came out of that place where we kind of, rest, where we kind of wrestled with that for a while and we, we surrendered to that. And one was the identifi identification of God's voice testifying about a call to faith and a, a, to pursue a process. Now, we got very excited. We told a lot of people about it. But while at that same time, I was wrestling, um, and I say I, and struggling with a sense of how do we lead our young ladies to Christ? How do we ensure that where we position, where we send the kids to school, what are the things we're doing at home, the playing and catching, these dry bones living in some other words that were coming out of that meeting as well. How do we come to a place of ensuring that these more long-standing things are achieved? Because we were in a house, buying a house wasn't, I mean, everybody, you know, moves either from renting to buying or whatever the case is. So we'll get up, we'll live somewhere at the end of the day. But the question to us was, what was God really after? And we had a meeting at Casa Point, and Phil was sharing with us about worship. And I felt prompted in that meeting that, you know, I needed to confess that anxiety and that fear I was having about these simple processes. And the one I'm pointing out there is a house, but there was other decisions. Where the kids go to school, how are they going to get, you know, are they going to, will the youth facilitate them accessing God? Who are the friends that we have surrounding them? All those decisions will consume in my mind. But I came to a point and said, God, you know what? It doesn't matter about where the house is. It doesn't matter about the youth and, 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 and who we surround them with and making sure to force feed them into those environments. Um, I surrender this thing to you. 
and I confess this fear. And it so happened, a day in May, a whole host of things were happening, and probably I'll have a time to share that next with the testimonies with Lauren. But we were believing God for something in Lifeline, and God came through miraculously and provided a way to escape. But right that afternoon while I was celebrating that, we went, I went home and Katie and said, she saw this house in Gideon Park, let's go see it. We jumped in the car, we went to go see it, and I was like, oh, the day's going so well, I'm probably going to see this house and either not like it or like it, and you know, just taking my mind through the mental thoughts. But the kids were with us, and when we were coming back from the house, we kind of all discussed in the car, do we like the house? And the conclusion was no. Um, pretty house, lovely, nice location, but we just don't feel it's for us. But then Taylor said something from the back of the car that really just broke me. She said, Mom and Dad, which of all these houses that we've seen that you really like? And we said, well, oh, we think this one in Kingston Road, that's the one for us. We really believe in God for that. And then she said, you know what? I think I know why God isn't making a way for that house just yet. She says, Chelsea and myself saw this other house that we went to visit, and we have been praying to God for that house. And I think, as a family, we need to agree in prayer for things to come true. We're a bit divided in our faith. That was a very lonely drive <laughs> home after. It wasn't far, but it was kind of just like, and right there and then, what God confirmed to me was, I didn't even care about the house. What he showed me was, look, Hans, you see all these things you're wrestling for, flesh and blood didn't reveal this. This isn't the excellent of your teaching. This isn't your hubris that has produced this in your children. They are safe within my hands. And if you really surrender and trust me in the process, the things that are really important, I have an ability to bring them to pass and to bring change. And everything else contributes. The family, the youth, the friends, all of that contributes. But God, just in that very moment, just revealed to me that if you surrender, I would have the ability to bring this to pass. One other thing on that for my personal reflection is that probably, I can't remember if it's a week before or a week after, God showed up again in the kids and kind of showed me, hey, my hand is at work here. So I was lying in the bedroom and I was looking at Bondi vet and there was something happening with some animal and this vet was dealing with it. And Katie, who's a vet, I kind of called in, Katie, come quick, and I called the girls as well. And they all ran into the room. I said, come and see this. And when the girls came in and they saw I was pointing to the television, they said, oh, daddy, no, we're not supposed to be watching television. It's like, what? Did mommy punish you? What did you do? And Kadian was there. Kadian, what's that? What, what did they do today or yesterday? Nobody told me anything. And they said, no, 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 it's not a punishment. You see this house thing? It's Chelsea. Taylor and I decided we're going to pray and fast about it to see it come to pass. I was just, again, <laughs> crushed in my inner manner. We never deliberately taught them about praying and fasting. Yes, they were using it as to, to gain something rather than, you know, just a total giving over to God. But it just taught me that if even the kids, which was important for me, that, we, that if I surrendered their stewardship, towards a place of salvation and only took, took my role, as John says, that we are not called to get people saved. We are only called to reflect Christ. We could come to a place where God receives ultimate worship and he leads them to a place to um, access him. If we just go to the other thing, Jeremy. 
So we, this is something Phil shared on, and I just thought if we could reflect on this. This is choice in action. So it spoke here about Cain and Abel. What I found was quite interesting was that it said they both brought an offering. So it didn't qualify between the offerings, but it spoke to a posture of heart. So let's suggest um, Mark and Neil called us to a place of corporate worship this morning. And as we said before, when Mark, I don't have the, the we, we didn't get a chance to look at that image. Mark said, you know, we were all coming as individuals in a position of worship before him and together collectively, that is a corporate worship. So if this morning we were calling each to worship, if the only difference between singing those songs and, and, and calling out to God has to do with the position of the heart, the question I'm asking and challenging you, what was the position of your heart before God this morning while we were in that position of corporate worship? Because that's the part that is our responsibility. Yeah? There's some other things I was planning to bring out here about the but. I find every time I see but in scripture, I kind of pay attention to what comes thereafter because it's like a point of emphasis. But um, we'll, we'll carry on and then go to Ephesians. Jeremy, if you just flip through. So, Neil, I heard you reading out for, for Phil. If you could do this to me again today. You did it so well. And if you just read out Ephesians 4, 17 to 32, we'll ignore Ephesians 5 for today. And then I'll instruct you what I want us to do in terms of reflecting on this. Go ahead. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. For we're all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for the building others up according to their needs, so that it may benefit those who listen. And don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you've been sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Okay, this is where we get active. So, I want you to get together in twos, and I want you to reflect on that. Jeremy will bring it up for us on the screen. Ephesians 4, 17 to 32. And I want you to be honest in terms of which one of those is currently difficult for you to do. And I want you to just discuss that. All right, is that clear? So you're looking at what is there in Ephesians 4, 17 to 32. And Paul was addressing the behavior of the Ephesian church. As we said, the scripture said, those who worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. And we want to say, the truth there refers to the positions of our heart, the renewed mind position. So if you get together in twos, and if anything there strikes you currently as a stumbling block, I want you to discuss that with the person, and then we're going to come back and kind of hear in terms of what do you think 
Why do you think it's probably the stumbling block? Or what do you think God is saying to you in terms of surrendering one of those positions, if any is applicable? I'm suggesting that something there may be applicable to one of us in terms of that renewed mind position that prevents us and causes a distraction when we come to the places of total worship and total surrender. All right? So if we just do that for five minutes, and then we're going to come back and chat. So we break in twos. Is that clear, everyone? Okay. No? Okay. I want you to discuss anything that you see. One, 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 one minute. I want you to discuss anything that is currently a stumbling block. I'm using what is here as a prompt of some of the things that we might find. Some people might be angry, getting angry. It might be one of the raft of things that Paul was admonishing the Ephesians church here. And I want you to discuss with that person, hey, this is the thing that is challenging me. This is the thing sometimes, it could be the job situation. I get anxious. I get fearful. Am I performing well? It may be the kids. It may be my health. You know, is it because I've done something wrong that that I find myself in this position. So whatever may be tormenting your mind or causing you not to have a place of total surrender, I want you to reflect on that and kind of discuss what, let's see what the Spirit of God says to you as pertaining that situation, okay? I'm going to pick on Daniel. <laughs> all right, if we could all come back together. Hello. Hello. Sorry to stop you. I'm going to get my faithful runner. So, um, I chatted there with Jeremy. And Jeremy, well, I'll let Jeremy paraphrase what, what he felt challenging for him. But if we'll have four or five of us just kind of say, hey, what, 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 what is it that we think is our stumbling block that kind of prevents us from coming to that position of total surrender? So if we start right here, Jeremy. Daniel's next. Um, I'm not sure if I'll be able to explain it really clearly, but for me it's kind of, I'd say my stumbling block is almost a religious kind of mindset where if I'm seeking God for something or trying to give my all to him, and setting aside time every day uh, to seek him for that thing and, and to be with him, it's very easy for that to slip into uh, something that's empty, something that's just like a form and, and almost feeling like I've, I've missed it if I haven't done that on a particular day or whatever. And so for me, I, I just recognize I'm always on, on the brink almost of slipping into that um, kind of religious way of thinking. And, and sometimes for me, my attempt to not be religious becomes a stumbling block to me actually seeking God, if that makes sense. So I think that's something that's, that's in my mind that kind of could potentially be a, an issue for me. All right, Daniel is going to share. Who's going to go after Daniel? Julie? I'm going to share on behalf of PJ. We kind of ticked pretty much most of that. But it was a private conversation. I've got to pull out the scriptures about confessing one before the other <laughs> and all that. Let's go to Jolie while PJ and Daniel reflect. 
Somebody on this side? Can I see a hand? Okay. For me, uh, it was kind of confession with my friend and his kind of person. And uh, it was that I don't want to give the, the devil to hold on my food for just small thing, which is insignificant. But for me, it was holding to it. And I didn't let God just do what he was supposed to be doing. So. Say that one more time for me, Julie. Sorry. <laughs> is it English? <laughs> Now, for me, it's a personal thing. It was kind of confession to me and my friend that God wanted to show me that I should hold on to something that is really not significant. But for me, it was a big deal. So, and I'm glad that we all sorted. Lovely. Lovely. On the far side. You put your hand up. Um, basically, we was talking about the social side of of trying to be yourself and how God would like you, but society doesn't let you be yourself and say exactly what you really want to say, what God's put in your mouth to say. And um, that's one of the things that kind of drag us back from be giving ourselves fully to God. Anyone in front, Neil, looking at me eagerly? It was just the thing of um, unwholesome talk and thinking about not so much what I say to others, but at moments of pressure, not always the right thing coming out of my mouth. Uh, and it's even, I don't particularly mean swearing, I just mean uh, sort of taking a negative position about something really curses in the air that's not really what you're intending to do but actually that's what you can do and I, I think what God wants us to do is to take a hold of that take hold of our tongue so that when I mean the scripture says something about um, only that which may benefit those who listen the fact that no one else is there to witness what you say when the person cuts you up when you're driving along the road or or whatever else is happening uh, it has an impact in the spirit and it has an impact on your spirit. And God wants us to, to take charge of what comes out of our mouths. Lovely. I have a relevant story of that. I'll go to Richard Hilton. If he doesn't share, I'll read out the text he sent me yesterday. <laughs> um, thanks, Hans. Um, <laughs> driving down Valence Avenue and um, someone was behind me and they started flashing their lights at me so I presumed that they were trying to get me to speed up or to move over lanes so they could get past me so um, I was driving there with Hannah I just shouted no and took my foot off the accelerator um, I was about to start braking to just slow down and I realised it was hands behind me trying to say hello I just want to suggest Richard you're not that far gone I had another story Nathan Come on. <laughs> and Daniel said the response of Nathan was accurate. So even Daniel. I'm, did... I'm always ready for it. <laughs> and I was driving down my road, and then there was some. Sh... <laughs> Sorry, I'm 
just got to hold back there. Some person in some big flashy car. You know the sort of people that drive those oversized cars around like, the urban areas as if it's like on safari or something? Anyway, so this drug dealer or something in this car trying to push into my lane. It's outside Goodmates Primary School. And some people may have at times seen me and my wife outside Goodmates Primary School. We both like to express our feelings fully to, to the people around that place. And so this was another one of these people. <laughs> and uh, so they started flashing and giving it some. I was about to get out of the car and, 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 and give them a dressing down. But um, luckily then I could see it was hands. So <laughs> I thought I'd just slash his tyres later. How does that fit into what we're meant to be talking about? Surrender. I, I want to suggest... I want to suggest... So is, <laughs> is a reflexive position. Um, when we read that Ephesians 4, 17 to 32, it kind of talks about... It, when I read it, it kind of... What is my reflexive position in the situations of life? What do I default to? What is the first thing that erupts out of me? And I want to suggest... When I look at Christ, 40 days in the desert, very, very hungry, someone reminding him that, look, you could turn bread into stone. The thing that he called to mind, or his reflexive position, was not an emotional response, but it was something buried there because, you know, it went on to talk about him learning obedience by the things that he suffered. And often, as believers... We see situations ahead of us and we think, you know, if that's difficult, let me choose it. Let me choose that suffering and probably that will produce something. But sometimes we don't choose the circumstances. We remember in 2013 when Dawn said, this may take you by surprise, but it didn't take me by surprise. Sometimes the situations of life, they just come upon us. And what we need to have in those situations, to have that position of a daily surrender and a total surrender, is something that is buried there that causes us to have a response that always testifies of the glory of God. And if we dare to believe the Bible and God's word, we have to believe that that is true. And we can live from that place. Not sometimes, not only in the worship service, not only in a time of deep devotion and prayer, but as Richard on Valence Avenue and Nathan outside the Good Maze Hall. And when we, with the boss, or when we that situation with the friend, on PJ and Daniel, whatever those private situations they were reflecting on, um, there is a position I'm suggesting that we could come to for total surrender. And what I was hoping to do today um, is to shift worship away from the song service or the time in the, at the beginning of meetings where we stand up and sing and lift a shout to God. And bring worship back into the everyday situations of life. And if worship is equal to total surrender, then if we're really living in a place of worship, we need to find some sense of victory over those circumstances. Yeah? And as Paul said, these things in Ephesians 4, 17 to 32 should not be named among us. If we just flip to the other image... Um, So there's a scripture here that we wouldn't go through now. I would suggest this is a real beautiful piece of scripture that we could go and reflect on, Romans 8, 18 to 38. And it talks about that there is nothing that is common to us that 
is a surprise from God's perspective. It talks about nothing to separate us from God's love. It kind of talks about if we are then risen with Christ, how do we live in the power of that place of total surrender and total worship? And there's two other picture images just to kind of capture. So I'm suggesting it's a daily, daily circumstance, daily taking up your cross. And somehow as we take these things up daily in every circumstance and live not from our emotion, but from a position of a renewed mind and what God's word is, those crosses become the place that provide a bridge for us to cross over. Um, and that's the challenge to us as we leave here. Could this be us? Last one. And when, when I was kind of, that is what I want my position to be before God for my total surrender. Do I cast myself upon him? And when you look at this image, probably if you have a chance to go and see the e-bulletin, as I said, reflect on Romans 8. And there are other scriptures that talk about nothing can separate us from the love of God. And if there is absolute provision, God is saying there in his scripture, then we are individually without excuse. Yeah? And we don't have to stop the bike while riding to work in the morning. The Spirit of God don't have to tap us on the shoulder as he did with John. I mean with Mark. And John, that grumpy face where Neil had to provoke a smile out of him. That must not be the position we find ourselves in. We shall have that evanescent bursting forth of a revelation of him and really giving him our total surrender. That brings me to the end. Back to you, Neil. Great. Thanks, Hans. Okay. Um, so we're going to finish here. I just want to... Uh, just a few things. Um, next Sunday is too significant to miss. Barbecue and various other th exciting things going on. Look in your newsletter. It's the front page. Well, actually, in a moment, look at your newsletter, because otherwise you won't listen to me. Um, uh, it'll be great. Uh, it will be a great time. Don't forget, uh, it, this is uh, speci a special week, because it will be forever known as the Lincoln's Challenge 70 week. Woo -woo. Um, 10 miles a day for a week. T-shirts available uh, as modeled. As modeled at the back by Beck. Amazing. Um, now, just, just something um, has come up. I just want you to be aware of. We have a building site outside the front here between us and where the children work. And there are very helpful fire doors that enter into the building site with easy-to-open doors. You just need to lean on them, and they open. Now, when children go out that way, they need to be supervised by old people by their parents so they don't decide to go and play with a cement mixer or fall down a hole or anything like that. So there were some children in the building site, so we must not have that and that must not happen. So please take it seriously. We're using that route through, but we have to bear in mind there are hazards associated with it, so please keep your, an eye on your children. Okay? And so now we come to um, uh, the end. It's time to respond. If there's anything that you wish uh, to have someone stand with you in prayer, we'll have the prayer team here. Hans has presented to us that this is about our choice. It's about whether we choose to surrender or, or we hold things 
uh, that we need to give over to God. We heard a testimony about dealing with fear. So let's not lose that because actually God is here to deal with fear today. So if there's something that you know that you need God to, to heal you in, uh, come and let's pray, pray for you in that. And the Holy Spirit, he's here for cleansing, for nurturing, cultivating, and for when you surrender. So the ministry team will be here. Other than that, that's it. Amen.